Welcome to Becoming Like Jesus, a podcast from Pure Heart Church, where we explore what it means to become like Jesus through the messy and perfect stories of real life and real people. My name is Chantel Hinnon, and I am so happy to be back with you for the kickoff of season two of Becoming Like Jesus. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. We want to give a quick shout out to Real Face Music. The music you are hearing in the background is from Andrew's latest album, Sacred Order. Be sure to check it out wherever you stream your music. I'm so excited to have Pastor Tracy on the podcast today. Pastor Tracy is the executive director of School Connect, as well as our pastor of community development here at Pure Heart. She's amazing, and she shares with us during this episode just ways that she's been impacted by COVID and just what she's been learning in this season, both in her personal life and in her ministry life. She shares some of her story of coming to know Jesus and releasing this need to be perfect and and just her heart to make a difference in the community. Um, And so I I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Lean in and let's get started. I'm here with Pastor Tracy Beal. Hi, Tracy. How are you doing? Hi, Chantel. It's so good to be here. Yes. Thank you for being here. Pastor Tracy, will you start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do around here? Just give us kind of, I know a lot of people already know who you are because, you know, you're around a lot with School Connect stuff, but give us kind of just the little elevator pitch. Sure. So I am the pastor of community development here, um, and I've been a pastor for almost 10 years here at Pure Heart. But at Pure Heart here, as I was overseeing um, outreach, um, the GO team, uh, at one point, we decided to start a nonprofit called School Connect. And so now I am the executive director of School Connect, as well as being a pastor of community development. And so I get a chance to engage with both Pure Heart and with churches and community partners across the state of Arizona. And now School Connect is expanding to other states as well. So I get a chance to be involved representing Pure Heart, the heart of Pure Heart, really all over the country. That's so exciting. That's really cool. You mentioned that you did outreach before, a lot of outreach stuff here at Pure Heart. You've done quite a few things here at Pure Heart. And just would you just share a little bit about your history at Pure Heart and also even before Pure Heart, kind of how how did you get where you're at now? Sure. So uh, I was actually um, a Young Life College director. I started Young Life College at ASU West. ASU Downtown and Glendale Community College. And so I was a partner with Pure Heart from the very beginning. I talked with Dan about being a partner with Pure Heart, and he said, I've got Young Life background. I totally value reaching out to college students and the university is across the street. And so I brought Pure Heart with us in all the work that we did with um, Young Life. And then on the reverse side, Pure Heart said, hey, help us learn how to reach out to college students. So I was first involved part-time as the um, college director, outreach director Mm. from Pure Heart. And then I helped Pure Heart start a very relational discipleship program. And so that's when they hired me as a pastor. Um, And so the Young Life hat, I handed that off to somebody else. We still partnered, but then I became the pastor of discipleship. The whole time that we were, I was a pastor of discipleship, we were still doing this outreach to schools. And eventually Dan said, how about if you start School Connect and mm. become the pastor of community development. So that's kind of the shift that happened. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. I'm sure that time doing discipleship stuff has it's all kind of come together, hasn't it? Yep, yeah, it's all over connected. The years, it's all connected. So you were doing uh, Young Life, but kind of give us a little bit of that background of like how did you even come to know Jesus? Kind of what's some of your story of how you met Jesus and what that looked like? Yeah, I I did not grow up in a Christian home. Neither of my parents were believers. 
Um, and it was a very broken, dysfunctional um, family um, experience. And in the middle of that pain, my mom watched a Billy Graham crusade on television when I was eight years old and became a Christian. And when she did that, she then connected to a Baptist church uh, right down the street. And so I started experiencing a little bit about God um, when I was a kid. I have to say that I believed in God, even though my parents were not Christians. I did. I can remember being five and praying that I'd be able to get out of nap, you know, <laughs> like I believed that there was a God out there. Mm -hmm. But I really came to understand him and know him when I was about 10, and I was baptized at that point. I did go through a year, you know, when I was 13 of kind of, uh, do I want to live for God or not? But, but I would say this, that the church became my family, became the solid, strong, loving, healthy, stable presence in my life. And one of the things I think for me um, was I, I wanted to be a good kid. So my response to all the dysfunction of my family was to try to be good, to try to be perfect. A lot of that was just so I wouldn't get hurt. Mm, I, was trying okay. to, I was trying to just be a good person so that I didn't get anybody's negative attention, which would turn into abuse. But that meant that I tried so hard and failed a lot. And so eventually I came to understand that Jesus death on the cross, his forgiveness was the power that gave me the ability to love, that I would never be perfect, but I was loved anyway. And that transformed my life, mm -hmm. you know, completely transformed it. And so really, I, I never looked back. Um, I'm not saying that I haven't had doubts or questions or struggles. I really have had all of those things. But um, from a pretty early age, the, the love of Jesus and the issue of being really forgiven um, and filled with love was probably, you know, the the guiding light of my life. Mm, that's so cool. I love that you shared like meeting Jesus, but then having this process because the whole idea of the podcast, right, is this idea of becoming like Jesus and becoming is active, right? It's not just a one moment mm -hmm. thing that happens. And of course, we, we come to know Jesus, but then it's this lifelong journey of growing and learning. And and like you said, maybe some doubts or moments, but but moments that have enriched your faith. And so learning about that and, and growing in that knowledge of, of God's love for you and how that impacted you. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. I would even say, you know, as we're talking about a process, that the uh, kind of Achilles heel of my faith is thinking that I can do things to, to please God mm -hmm. instead of knowing that God loves me regardless and that as I work with Him, I please Him just because I'm His. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, you know, at the age I am and as a pastor, I still struggle with that. Yeah. So just to be real. <laughs> no, yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I, I resonate with that a lot. You know, I struggle with that a lot, that performing for love, that need to do that. Performing or for love is a great way of describing yeah. it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people can probably resonate with that. And it's it's a constant, um, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but it's a process, right? And mo in moments, I know the truth and I, I live and I walk in that knowing, that deep knowing, not just in my brain, but the knowing that, no, God loves me just for who I am. Mm -hmm. And then in moments, I, I recognize that I start to to behave and act and perform out of a different place and I have to back up and we get to start over. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the the gift of it being a process, you know? Exactly. 
Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, so, so you came to know Jesus, you're walking with Jesus, you said uh, kind of became the light of your life and moving towards that. And obviously then you, you told us about Young Life. Did you think ministry was going to be something that God had for you? Did you always plan on being a pastor? How did that kind of happen? I think I did feel called into mm-hmm. ministry ever since mm-hmm. I was a child. And I was very involved with kids and I was very involved with missions. So yeah. outreach from the very beginning. I remember being 13 and going on a missions trip to Navajo land out here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. This was when I lived, I grew up in California. And so I do think it was always a part of what I wanted to do. But I think understanding who I was and what my gifts were and what my call was, that wasn't always an easy process, especially as a woman uh, Mm -hmm. growing up um, in the church. And so, Yeah. yeah, that was, it was sometimes very challenging, but always, there was always a sense of a destiny, a call from God. That's that's really cool. So uh, just kind of to shift a little bit, but I want to hear, obviously, this season has been strange for all of us. There's been a lot going on. COVID has definitely, I'm sure, impacted a lot of your work professionally with and in ministry with School Connect. But I, before we go there, I would love to hear just like, what has this season been like for you? What have you been processing through uh, with Jesus during this kind of strange season that we find ourselves in? Yes. So a few months ago, I woke up and I just had this vague anxiety. Like, what do I do? What do I do now? (laughs) And I thought, you know, what's wrong with you, Tracy? And then I realized that this is the question everybody is asking right now. It's all different. And so how are you going to handle this situation? How are you going to handle that new challenge? How are you going to reach out to schools who are going through their own crisis? How do you support churches and businesses and nonprofits who want to serve schools, but they have all their own challenges? So that kind of vague, uneasy, kind of anxious um, thought, and, and it was really for me, it was recognizing that this was what everybody was experiencing, that I wasn't strange, and and to just kind of like, breathe Mm. and go, this is the situation we're in. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be uh, anxiety producing. So make sure that I spend time with God, make sure that I exercise, make sure that I take time outside, uh, make sure that I spend time with my family, with my friends, be real about what I'm going through, listen um, with empathy to those who are going through things that are similar so that we know that we're all in this together. And I think that I have experienced being all in this together, mm-hmm. whether it's the Pure Heart family here, uh, my School Connect team, um, my partners across the country. Uh, I've been really blessed to have lots of amazing people from all across the country who are doing this work. And so it's great uh, because you know that you're not alone and that everybody's trying to kind of process this and figure it out. So that's kind of what it's been like for me. Yeah, I I love that you said that question, like, what do I do now? And I feel like so many people are processing through that. And we're all in different, different layers of that. I think that so often for me, when I'm going through a season that's difficult or unsure, or I'm kind of transitioning, my uh, focal point is is what's coming next. So I just got to get to that next thing. Can uh-huh. I get out of this kind of uh, in-between kind of limbo space? And I feel like with COVID and what we've been experiencing, we've been forced to like sit in the kind of messy in between 
and it makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> and they're I'm not quite sure what I'm moving towards all the time. So you what, know? what do you do when that happens, when that hits you? Yeah. What do I do? I think that what you said is being honest, uh, a huge part for me, I think is being honest with the people that are close to me. You mentioned, um, you know, going outside and, and, and spending time with God. I think a huge question that I have to ask myself a lot because I don't do this, uh, often just naturally is what are your needs right now? Like, what do mm-hmm. you need Chantel? Because yeah. I'm so focused, my tendency when I'm, you know, going really fast or if I'm in a, you know, kind of unhealthy place is to focus on everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And so really getting quiet with God, which is um, silence is hard for me. And so kind of retreating from the space of everyone else, getting honest about what's going really on inside of me and saying, okay, what do I need in this moment? Am I feeling, am I feeling lonely? Do I need to reach out to a friend mm-hmm. or, um, Am I tired? Do I just need more rest? And that's maybe okay that I need a little bit more rest right now because let's just have some grace that it's okay that I might just need an extra hour of sleep, you know? Yeah. Because uh, sometimes yeah. I think I, I jump into like, why am I not doing a better job at being a human? Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're I'm not acknowledging the collective like, we've all gone through kind of a weird space and whatever I'm feeling right now, it's just okay. So let's yeah. just honor that. So I think really being honest and then learning how to honor my emotions, honor my own process, um, and then inviting people with me along the way too. And do you have people in your life who kind of watch you? They know you well enough that they can say, how are you doing? Yeah, I do. I have people who I definitely have allowed and given voice to like, hey, what's going on there? Um, and I think, I, you know, I've become a lot more self-aware to be able mm-hmm. to start noticing those signs, but that I've also invited those people into my life that can just, and it's usually not even like, you know, sometimes we say like calling you out, you know, it doesn't feel like that. It's just like, hey, are you doing okay? What's going on there? I notice like you just, you seem really anxious or um, you're going really fast. Mm-hmm. Have you slowed down recently? Um, because sometimes we have times where we, we do have to go fast, but sometimes I do that to avoid uh, what's really going on inside. And so people that are safe, that are trusted, that I've given mm-hmm. that voice to, that we kind of do that for each other. I've got some really key people in my life that do that for me, which is a gift. How about you? Is that is that important for you as well? Oh, absolutely. I I'm, I was thinking about what I just shared about waking up that with that anxious feeling and wondering what was wrong. I um, A friend of mine who works at Grand Canyon University, Dr. Jennifer Johnson, actually, Actually, uh, she she and I had a phone appointment, and it was shortly after I was kind of recognizing I felt that way. And so when she called me and she asked me how I was, I said, I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling what's wrong with me. Why am I anxious like that? Mm. And she said, oh, my gosh, me too. And, you know, I think that we are all going through that. So she just, you know, she was just a, an amazing friend in my life who can read uh, how I am. And and I try to do that for others. And I think that's the gift of, of um, hopefully family and friends that we can be that kind of support together, because I don't think anybody can make it through this time alone. Yeah, and I think that's so important to recognize too, because I think so many people I've heard say, well, well, so many people, like people have lost their jobs, people are going through really, really hard things. And so I woke up anxious. That's, I mean, you know, and it's like, no, like let's honor our feelings no matter where we're at. We sometimes do like what um, I have somebody that I listen to, a podcast that I listen to often, and she calls it the suffering Olympics. Mm-hmm. We sometimes do like, well, mine's not as bad as theirs, so I can't just be sad. You can't acknowledge. I can't acknowledge my pain because (laughs) it's not as great as somebody else's Mm -hmm. or my suffering. And I think we just have to honor that this has been impacted. It's impacted all of us. Yeah. And it's okay if, you know, you still have your job, but you've had a hard day today, you know, (laughs) even though your friend lost their job, that's okay. And it's, it's, it's okay to just have your own process with that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest about it is really important, I think. So, 
Well, that's good. So you you mentioned School Connect, and we started talking about that. I would love to hear more about kind of your story of how that began, because we've, you know, we've heard that story, uh, a lot of, you know, pure heart story with 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 School Connect. But how did you, what, what kind of bubbled up in you during that time? And how did it, how was School Connect kind of birthed? Yes. Yeah, so this, this happened for me when I was a Young Life College director. I was always taking college students with um, me to go on service trips around the, the world, actually. And so I was in uh, Lima, Peru. We had college students there, and they were serving a special needs public school. And obviously, the aha moment happened for me of recognizing, wow, schools are kind of the center of any community, hmm. and they're the portal for you to get to the need in that community. So whether that's special needs or foster care or refugees or homelessness or marriages or families or drug addiction, whatever is the need in a neighborhood, if you go to the school and begin to connect with the kids, the families, the parents, the educators, you're going to start connecting with the need. And Mm -hmm. so that was just this huge aha moment for me while I'm standing there in Peru. And the second one was I'm flying over my own city to do this in another country. What if we were to do it in the other country and also back here. I was already a partner as a Young Left College director working at ASU West with Pure Heart. So I had Pure Heart people who would come with us college students on those trips, right? Um, But there was that realization that, oh my gosh, we need to come back and learn how to do this in local schools here. And so I was already a partner with Arizona State University. Uh, Dr. Deborah Friedman was the dean of students and vice president at the downtown campus. She said, Tracy, let's do this here. Let's do this. And so um, I gathered, you know, Pure Heart and Young Life and some other uh, churches and businesses and artists and nonprofits. And um, to tell you the truth, we went to our first school that we went to bringing all these resources said no to us. Mm. This is after months of reaching out to them and showing them, building, trying to build trust with them. Um, but what happened was in the same school district, there was another school and there were some teachers and the principal who was there who we already had relationship with. And so those people said, oh, please come bring it here, bring it here. And so that was a beautiful opportunity. We, our very first experience was at Herrera Elementary School in downtown Phoenix. And we just had the best time uh, bringing all of those people together and kind of learning how to do the model. Um, And so Pure Heart was involved from the very, very beginning. But what I didn't know was that in the background, Dan Steffen was saying, man, as I am becoming the senior pastor of Pure Heart, I would want to ask the question, if we pulled Pure Heart out of the neighborhood tomorrow, would anybody, you know, miss us? Would they recognize that we were gone? And so at the same time, you know, maybe I, maybe this was happening to me a little bit earlier. And then Dan um, had this heart. We met um, in person and started talking and realizing, oh, this thing with schools, this is a really amazing thing. And so we started to join forces. Um, and because Pure Heart's right across the street from ASU West, Um, They were like, hey, how about if we hired you part-time to reach out to the college and at the same time, we'll all work together for schools. Well, I didn't realize that they were also working with Sunburst Elementary and all kind of all the pieces of the puzzle started Mm. pulling together. 
So finally, like we, we kept growing this model. We eventually moved the model uh, that became School Connect to the Washington Elementary School District. And of course, that, that was already a great relationship with Pure Heart, already a great relationship with what would become School Connect and yeah. with Young Life College. And so we all joined forces together at that point. That Then I was hired as the uh, pastor of discipleship. Well, the whole time I'm doing this schools thing, just as a volunteer on the side, but Pureheart is fully engaged and they just keep watching it grow and grow and grow and grow. So that's when three years um, in to that, uh, Dan Stefan said, what if we were to actually start a nonprofit and start gathering other churches and other organizations together and start multiplying this? And mm-hmm. I don't think any of us dreamed that it would then hit the whole state of Arizona and then start in other states. I I, I think that we were thrilled just to get to do what we were doing yeah. and, and really excited and honored that God's kind of decided to do more. Yeah, absolutely. So you're sitting in Peru and you have this kind of thought and you're processing through, what would it look like to do this in my community? And then you said that that first experience out the gate, you know, going to a school, it was a no. What was going through your mind during that time? What was what were your conversations with God? I know that's been a while, but do 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 you have any uh, insight of what that process was like for you? Oh, it was so challenging because I was I was trying really hard, and I felt like, okay, God, I really thought this was you. You know, this was the hardest thing I had ever done. And and I thought, boy, an inner city school that is 100% free and reduced lunch rate, surely they would want help from the community. But I had to learn about trust. I had to learn about how you build those relationships and keep building trust until they get to the point where they, they think that you're not just going to come and go throw a can of food in. You're going to actually... Um, help them accomplish their goals. You're going to help them be successful. And I think as we started learning how to do that, how to bring out what they needed, what they wanted, and helping them accomplish those things and be successful to the point where their village around the school loved them and viewed them as their school to love on, you know, who doesn't want that? Yeah. But it took time to get there, which meant I had to have perseverance. I had to believe in the vision, even though the process was challenging. Yeah, I love that. And and you said building trust and helping them accomplish their goals. How did you how did you do that? Well, one of the things that was really wonderful is that because we were a partner with Arizona State University from the very beginning of starting this model, we were a part of their nonprofit school, and they have asset-based community development training. Mm-hmm. And then I was also working with Neighborhood Ministries, with Kit Danley, and with Stan Rowland. Um, so they all taught me how to look at a community and look at the assets, look at the resources that are present in a community already. Once you see those, then you're bringing all of those resources to one table, right? Wow. So instead of walking into a school and saying, hey, we know what's wrong and we're going we're gonna to fix it for you, it became, hey, we want to know what you want, what you need, but we're going to use the resources that are right here at your school, in your community, your parents, your families, the local church, the local business. Let's bring everybody to one table and then invite them into that process, right? And so I I think that from the very beginning, we had people who are training us really in asset-based community development, which is really 
how to change an entire community through empowering the community to change itself. Wow, that is so cool. I I love that you said, you know, sitting down with them and asking what they want, what they needed. And so much of that starts with just listening, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's about listening and being open and hearing what the community is looking for rather than like you said, going in and saying this is what you need to fix. And we talk about that all the times with missions, right? Like how we approach mission work, but it's the same when you're going into your communities, right? right? And mm-hmm. um and looking at what resources do they already have. I think that's such a a good thing for us to take away, even for the average person that's listening, that's not, you know, going and doing big things in their community necessarily, but mm-hmm. even with the person right in front of them, it's so easy to look at the person in front of you and see, oh, well, let me help you fix those things. But why don't we start by looking at the assets and the 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 good that they bring and, and mm-hmm. the image of God that they're bearing already. If Absolutely. we started there and then we listened mm-hmm. to where they want to go, mm-hmm. if that was our approach in relationship with people, I think it would really change the way we have influence in people's lives and influence um, for the the kingdom of God even. Right, right. You're absolutely right. I think they would feel believed in, known, valued, like they have something to offer. And I think that's how we want schools to feel, right? We want the people in those schools to feel like they have a tremendous amount to offer and that what their dreams and hopes and aspirations are and what their talents and abilities are, just like you described, they're made in the image of God. So even if they don't have a lot of education or they don't have a lot of money, they have all these other amazing resources, right? And so giving them a vision for what they can become and what they can become together is very exciting. Yeah, that's really, really special, I think, and such a a good uh, perspective for us to have, no matter where we are, mm-hmm. whether we're in our schools uh, as parents or just here at Pure Heart Servant on a weekend or in our jobs um, and, and approaching other people with that kind of heart in that yeah. model, I think, is is really healthy. So how is School Connect and going into schools? And we're kind of already hinting at this, but, you know, sometimes we can we can silo things where, you know, this is spiritual work. This is ministry because I work at a church. I do ministry. Mm -hmm. You work at a restaurant. You don't really do ministry, right? Mm. We, we, we silo things like that, but I don't really think that that's a, a kingdom view. And I don't think it's all that biblical to be honest. So how is going into schools? How is that kingdom work? How does, why does God care about that? Right. Um, I really think that what the Bible shows us in Jesus is somebody who walked in with the kingdom that he, he bore that kingdom inside of him. And everywhere he went, the kingdom went. And so if he was healing somebody, he was healing them with the kingdom power, with kingdom love. If he fed them, if he multiplied the loaves and fishes, uh, whatever he did, if he freed them from a demon, if they, if he helped heal relationships, like, all of those things are part of the kingdom of God being expressed. And so when we have Jesus inside of us and we walk into a local school and we help them to read or we help uh, parents to get engaged or we give them clothing or we give them social emotional support because they've experienced trauma, we're doing that with the love and power of Jesus and his kingdom that dwells in us and then through us, right? And so there, there really isn't a division between, you know, we're just doing things like reading or helping give them social emotional support versus the spiritual. The spiritual actually leads, but pervades everything that you do. And, and it's been really great for me to stay as a pastor at Pure Heart and Lead School Connect. I think because 
it gives me an opportunity to walk um, alongside principals and pastors and say, this is how you can have a relationship where you honor the, the proper boundaries with public education and the church, but you dwell together. Like these kids in the school and these kids in our church, they're all our kids. They're all our community. And so how do we cross the over and love and provide? And, and then, of course, um, when you build trust and you have relationship and whenever there's crisis, then those people that you've built trust with come to you. They come to you in the church and they say, oh my gosh, you have a counseling department, you have a resource center, there's food here, there's small groups here, um, there's nutrition classes, I can work out here. Oh my gosh, people are my friends and care. Then they have the opportunity to say, I really want to understand the reason behind everything that you've been giving. And, and so then we get the chance to share Christ with them. And I can say, you know, here at Pure Heart that I've gotten to see, you know, literally hundreds of people come to Pure Heart because of what we're doing in the community, right? Mm -hmm. And then meeting Christ or getting connected. And I know as a pastor, I've had the privilege of doing memorial services for teachers or, you know, praying with principals uh, on the side when they come to me and ask for that. So it's just been a, a, a total gospel experience. That's that's really cool. You you have so many stories that I've heard from you. Would you just kind of, if you can think of one that comes to your mind over the last six months or something, of where where you've seen God just show up in schools and in the work that you're doing, would you just share a story of some of what you guys have been doing lately? Yeah. Um. So one of the things that we have been addressing is the digital divide, yeah. and so what that what that really is is um it's that 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 everyone really in order to flourish in our country now and to be able to do um, education and, and progress in a job really needs to have access to the internet. They need to have a computer and they need to have the tech support or the know-how about how to use them. And unfortunately, very poor neighborhoods in Arizona and in rural areas and in tribal lands, uh, there is not the technology and the internet and the tech support. And so when COVID-19 hit, a problem that had been there under the surface all along became highlighted. And so I became a, a member of the Arizona um, Broadband Stakeholder uh, Task Force, as well as the Superintendent of Instructions Technology Task Force. And really, the reason why I did that was because I wanted to really hear, what are we doing about this huge problem and what could School Connect do and churches and, and local community partners do to fill in the gap? Like, how can we help? How can we make a difference now? And so we, we started to work um, on a couple of levels. And one of those was um, we just started connecting the resources of local churches and businesses with the need that was there. And so we started seeing that, you know, this organization would provide funding and we would work with this nonprofit computers to kids that could give us refurbished laptops for only $110. And that, and we would work with the internet provider to try to get them, that family who didn't have internet connected into a program mm -hmm. that they could afford. Um, and in this process, 
the people that I'm working with, um, some of whom are believers and some of whom are not believers, have started to share their personal lives and what is happening in their worlds, whether that's a loved one who's died or, you know, a, a, a real struggle for them as a family. And the opportunity for me to uh, minister to them and love them has been incredible. And then, um, as a result of being a part of these conversations, uh, we started to realize, wow, this is a crisis right now. A school is going back, you know, everyone's starting virtually. And so how are we going to help the fact that there are 200,000 students in Arizona who don't have the internet? Like, how does that get overcome? And what I know is that I'm on this task force. So I know that infrastructure is happening. I know that we are working toward that, but not fast enough for what what is happening with kids, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, a a small group of us from the task force, Common Sense Media and the State Librarians and School Connect, we got together and we said, what can we do? And we decided that we would create a digital map of all the open Wi-Fi hotspots in the state of Arizona. And so that included schools and libraries. It included any open hotspots from internet providers. But it also... Um, included some churches, some faith communities who would say, we'd be willing to become, you know, a person on the map. And so one of the things that has been a real joy for me, and this has only been happening in the last three weeks, three and a half weeks. Wow. So we pulled all this together. Um, we have the map now. It's uh, connect-arizona.com, connect-arizona.com. And when you pull that up, it's a Google-based map. So now anybody who, if they just have a phone, they don't have to have a computer or internet, if they have a phone, they can click on a hotspot that might be close to them and get directions about how to walk there. And then on the, on the website are directions about how to connect to a hotspot, how to do that. It's in Spanish and in English. There's also information on the website about the internet providers and what their special deals might be. And then there's a link for all the churches or organizations who would like to become one of those spots Mm. on the map. And so we've already had a bunch of churches start joining the map. What's cool to me about that is when you have people, students or families who come to your church to be able to use the internet because they don't have that, now you get connected them with other resources. You might have that counseling department or resource center or jobs or food or friendship or support in the middle of crisis. And so it's it's been... Um, a joy not only to work with the people I get to work with and represent Christ there, but also getting to watch the body of Christ step up and become a part of the solution to a major problem in our state. That's amazing. That's amazing. What a, like you mentioned, this has been an issue for a while, but it was amplified by COVID. And what a beautiful thing for God to do in the midst of a, a tough season of uh, bridging uh, bridging the gap there in, right. in amazing ways and allowing School Connect to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So this is amazing. All of it sounds really great. So for the person who's listening, who is excited about School Connect mm-hmm. and, you know, they're excited, they go to Pure Heart and they're really excited that we're in schools and we're doing things. Sometimes I feel like it seems so far from me as the individual. So like, how do I begin to, whether it be in schools or maybe it's just even in my context, how do I um, impact people the way you're talking about? Because I want to be a part of that when yeah, I hear those ab- stories. Absolutely. Well, I would say um, we have a document that is reflected on our website um, and our website is schoolconnectaz.org. So you can go there. 
directly to to learn about this. But there are five things that schools need during COVID nineteen, and um, and any person listening can be a part of one of those solutions. All right, and so one of those solutions, believe it or not, is school supplies. And that's because for uh, Title I families uh, who are struggling in poverty, having school supplies at home or when they get to school, they can't share supplies like they have in the past. So school supplies are actually a need right now. Give school supplies to your local school and they would really value that. Um, Internet technology like a computer. Um, right now, schools have used their CARES Act money to buy Chromebooks or laptops that they're giving to their students, but they're just loaned. Mm. So this is not overcoming the digital divide because at the end of the semester, they're going to have to take those computers back so that they have them for the next group of kids, right? So what w- what School Connect has been doing is working with computers to kids to provide these Lenovo laptops with Office software on them and free tech support for a year for just $110. So if you want to give a, a solution to a family, to a student in a family long term, you can even donate on the School Connect website, $110, and there you get a computer. If you want to be involved in that Wi-Fi map, you represent an organization, you'd say, hey, I know that in my area, that might be a problem. I'd be willing to open the doors. You can go on to that connect-arizona.com website and sign up you know, for that. So I think that's powerful. I think they need social emotional support. Educators are are just anxious and exhausted and struggling right now as our parents, as our kids. But oftentimes we don't think about the kind of work that educators are trying to do like this, you know, talking about the digital divide. A a principal in the Mesa school district told me she had a second grader and the only technology in their family was the mom's phone, which was with the mom at work all day. So the only time that little girl could get onto internet was when her mom came home from work and they went down to the market to get on internet and she could download things and talk to her teacher. So that means that child doesn't have that access all during the day. And then a teacher is spending time outside of school to take care of a child Mm. because of the digital divide, right? So right now I would say, write an appreciation card, send a care package to a teacher because they could use it. Oh my gosh, that would be you know incredible. That teacher love and social emotional support. Social emotional support, if you are from a church and they have small groups or they have counseling or, or some way to provide support for people who are in great stress, whether that's kids or their families or, um, or the educators, that would also be a, a powerful opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of great ways for people to get connected and we'll be sure to uh, link the uh, the website and the show notes as well for those who are listening. So for the person who maybe there's kind of a couple audiences here that I'm thinking of, but the person who they they're having a moment like you did in Peru, where they feel like they're recognizing a need and God's burdened their heart with something. Uh-huh. What would you say to them? Um, I would say, speak it out to the people who are closest to you. You know, say, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I have in my heart. And, and um, begin to kind of fan it into flame, you know, and, and don't allow doubts and questions and how would I do that to be the first thing that you're thinking. First, kind of let that vision soak into your soul 
um, you're going to need that because there are going to be challenges every step along the way. And, and you really have to have kind of a, this is worth it. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to cast a vision that nobody's heard of before. Um, for me, it was, there was already um, an awareness when I started School Connect of churches and schools would be a good idea to work together. But the idea of the church becoming the facilitator of an entire village of support around a school, like include the local business, include the neighborhood association, include all those people, that was a new idea. That wasn't mm-hmm. something that was super easy in the beginning. And so I had to have a deep into, in, into my soul And then I had to be able to have kind of the why. So I would talk to pastors and I would say, wow, as you're walking into a school, you're rubbing elbows with the local neighborhood association, with the business on the corner, with a nonprofit, with a city council person. You get to reflect Jesus. You get to bring the kingdom to the whole village as you walk in to serve kids in your local school. And that aha moment is now recognized. Like now that's normal, but it wasn't normal, you know, all those years ago when I started this, you know, 12 years ago, really. Mm. Um, and so you, you, you need that. And then you need those few who really get it with you and who are going to support you, give you honest feedback, help you practice, <laughs> help you try things and who could represent the vision as well as you. Yeah. That's that's really good. I love that you said, like you said, you're going to be bumping elbows with all kinds of people. And if we're we have tunnel vision and we just focus on that one goal, sometimes we can miss the people that's putting in our in our wake right this moment to love and to show the love of Jesus yeah. too. Yeah, and we don't want to miss that. And I just think of like, what if that first school you would have just taken that no as a no? You had to let that vision kind of sink into you so that you kept pushing forward. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That definitely. That definitely could have happened. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And for them to say no at that point really did make me question, is this even possible? Is it worth it? Can I do it? And so um, I needed those people who had those connections in that second school who believed in this to say, yeah, let's try again. Yeah. 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 So what about the person who, you know, they're listening to this, there's going to be some people who are like, wow, I want to jump in to help out School Connect, jump in into my local school. I have kids in a school. I want to serve a teacher or something like that. But I think of uh, maybe others, that's that's not the burden that God's placing on their heart, but we all have influence. I know that leadership is something that you value and this mm-hmm. idea that we have influence no matter where we're at. So would you just speak to the person who's listening and I don't know where they are. Maybe they work at a coffee shop. Maybe they're, they are a teacher. Maybe they are, are a lawyer. Or maybe they, you know, work at a church. I don't know. But mm-hmm. would you just speak to them and, and encourage them on how to, how can they use their influence for God's kingdom, no matter where they're at? Yeah. I love that question um, because I think everything that I've done, I've been confronted with that question. You know, how do you work alongside somebody? Um, so an example for me would be when I was talking with my friends on the broadband task force who were creating this map. You know, I discovered that one of them had a, a very loved pet who was dying and another one had a relative who was dying. And we'd been on the phone calls together on these task force meetings for months. But that's that's not a place where I had leadership. But when I got them together to create this Wi-Fi map, 
Then I had the opportunity to get to know them more personally. And I asked the question, how are you guys really doing? Suddenly, all this came out, right? Mm. And so understanding that we do have the opportunity to have influence if we care, if we listen, if we ask the right questions, if we ask with the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, and we wait for their answer. And, and then we, we jump into opportunities uh, every second that we get, right? Um, that changes everything. So, you know, you have an opportunity uh, as an attorney, um, you know, you have an opportunity as a teacher or a coach or somebody in IT. I mean, right now, the person in IT, <laughs> like right now, the state librarians on our website are offering a free helpline for tech support. You know, there are so many frustrated parents and people out there who are trying to figure things out. And if you are a believer and you think, man, I get a chance to not only help them solve this problem, but care about them in the middle of that, that's a kingdom opportunity. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, so much of that, I think, is just shifting our perspective is what you just said, because it's just recognizing the opportunities that are already right in front of us. Mm -hmm. You know, even, you know, I think of it sometimes I have to catch myself because I am on the go and I'm, you know, just pushing through. I'm on my way to work. I'm going to stop at Starbucks to grab a cup of coffee. And it's just even that slowing down to look at the person that's actually in front of me, to look at their name, to mm -hmm. ask them how their day is Yeah, in just a moment. And sometimes we miss it so much when we're when we're running and, and we're going. So I think that's so important for us to, to have that perspective. So one last question, and um, and this is kind of not what I was expecting to ask you, but coming up for me that, I, that I'm processing through is, you know, in the last like six months or so, when you think of this idea of becoming like Jesus, what would you say has helped you personally in that process of growing with Jesus the most in the last six months? Um probably recognizing my weakness. Mm. Yeah, probably being quiet enough to feel the pain and then turn to God in the middle of that. Yeah. You know, and that's not an easy thing. I think when COVID-19 hit, we became like a 911 operator. You know, we sent out a link and we had, you know, needs from schools and resources from churches and the community. And we were just working our hearts out every split second. Yeah. But there were, you know, I had a, a son get married on March 20th and he w got married in Atlanta and suddenly the wedding was canceled, you know, initially. And then they asked me to fly out to do the wedding for the just the two of them. And then COVID-19 was getting worse. And in the end, I needed to not go out there. And so we had a Facebook Live wedding. And um, it was beautiful and amazing and painful. So the day came and we all got dressed up and we celebrated them like crazy but then the next day and the next day, I realized I was really sad that I hadn't gotten to be there in person, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just had to be quiet enough to have both the joy and the sorrow in that. And, and so I would say, the other thing that I would say is every morning, um, I spend time in God's word and I, I listen to podcasts a lot. Um, and it's great that we're on a podcast because... Um, I'm, it helps you processing, stay focused. Mm. And, and so just keeping my mind, my heart, my emotions fixed on 
positive things and being open at the same time to how I really feel, I think has been healing and helped me stay um, looking at the world with the, ha- the glass half full. Yeah. Right. I, I, I love that you shared that. And thank you for, for sharing that with us because I think it's so easy. Like you even said, you're trying to be positive and trying to look towards that, but we also have to honor that pain. And that's a, a part of that growing closer to Jesus because yeah. he wants the real us mm-hmm. with our pain and our hurts and whatever, whatever is real for us. That's where he wants to meet us. Yeah. And so is there anything, Tracy, that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about that I, that we didn't go anywhere we didn't go? I can't, I can't okay. think of something Perfect. Right now. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I enjoy working with you. This was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pastor Tracy. I know that I did. If I would just encourage you this week, if you could just spend some time reflecting on where you have influence and where you can just make small differences in your community. If you would like to connect with School Connect or partner with them in any way, both of those links that Pastor Tracy mentioned will be in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. I'd like to ask if you can to rate and review the show wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps those who aren't connected get connected with uh, becoming like Jesus. And so also I would like to just share with you kind of a shift this season as we're starting out season two, what you'll notice that we're going to be releasing podcast episodes actually every other week rather than every week. Um, We don't know how long that's going to go, but at least initially that's kind of the new pace that we're adopting um, as we transition into this new season as things have been kind of really strange over the last few months. So just uh, your patience with us would be great with that. So I I won't see you here next week, but the following week we'll be back with another great episode. If you have anything that you need from us or any questions that we can answer, please reach out to us at podcast at pureheart.org. Have a great week, family. You are just fine as you are. I really must tell you I do like the person that you